1: Hello, everyone. Charles Watts here. Welcome back to Inside Arsenal. I hope wherever you're watching or listening to this episode around the world, you're having a very good start to your week. It is Tuesday. Of course, we are now edging ever closer to the weekend, edging ever closer to Arsenal returning to Premier League action for what feels like quite a while. Uh, I have to say the squad has been over in Dubai. They are due back today. Going to get a bit of a rude awakening when they arrive back here because it is a hell of a lot colder here than it has been in Dubai. Minus five it was this morning when I went out to defrost the car for the school run. Yeah, I think the players are going to feel that when they step off the plane from Dubai. Preparations now really start to gear up from this point. Looking ahead to the game against Crystal Palace. Still waiting for confirmation as to when Mikel Arteta's press conference will be ahead of that game. It will be on Friday, but we're just not sure yet if it's going to be a morning one or an afternoon on Arsenal still yet to confirm with the email that they send out to us all. Um, should hopefully have that in the next 24 hours or so. Interesting to see what Mikel Arteta says at that press conference. I'm sure there'll be lots of talk about team news, injuries, seeing lots of players sort of back with clips while they've been away in Dubai. Interesting to see just how close some of them are. Thomas party for example, haven't seen him yet. You know, how close is he? Will he be involved this weekend? Uh, Zinchenko, what's going on with him? Yuri and Timber. how close are we to a potential return for Jürgen Timber? So lots to discuss with Mikel Arteta when he does arrive back. Um, And I'll start gearing up really towards that game tomorrow. I think tomorrow's show will really start to look ahead about, you know, the big decisions facing Mikel ahead of that game, who could start, what he should do. Um, But I wanted to sort of focus today's show on some really big news that has happened. We spoke about it briefly in yesterday's episode um, that we were expecting the Premier League to comment on the cases of Everton and Nottingham Forest with their profit and sustainability rules. Um, And that confirmation has now come through. It came through yesterday afternoon. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the statement that the Premier League put out where they confirmed that Everton and Nottingham Forest have each confirmed to the Premier League that they are in breach of the league's profitability and sustainability rules. This is a result of sustaining losses above the permitted thresholds for the assessment period ending season 2022. 23. In accordance with Premier League rules, both cases have now been referred to the chair of the judicial panel who will appoint separate commissions to determine the appropriate sanction. Commissions are independent of the Premier League and member clubs. The proceedings are heard in private with the commission's final decisions made public on the Premier League's website. The league will make no further comment until that time. Now, we know that Everton and Nottingham Forest are both going to be arguing this case. Um there's been lots of debate about it since a statement came out about whether these PSR rules are unfair. You know, they've been in place for a long time. Do they need to be um, looked at? It sounds like they could well be looked at because I think they were originally passed about 10 years ago and clubs are now arguing, look, inflation has gone up so much player values have gone up so much that this is unfair and it needs being looked at, which is, you know, I can kind of understand that. But at the end of the day, this, this, the Premier League is 20 members and they are the shareholders. And, you know, this was, these rules were set by a Premier League member vote. So that's why they're in place and they've been in place for more than a decade and they're there to protect, you know, clubs to sort of make it as competitive as possible. And obviously you've got people like Newcastle now who are coming and are kicking up a fuss about these rules because they can't just come in and spend what they want to spend. And in some way you look at some clubs saying, well, this is just protecting the original top six which I suppose you can see make a case for that argument. But what this is also doing is protecting just state owned clubs now coming in and being able to spend huge amounts of money and completely disrupt things. So, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. You know, the the, the rules are in place for a reason. You're not, you can't, Basically, lose about 105 million, I think it is, over the case of three over three year accounting period. And that's what Everton and Nottingham Forest have done. But you look at the wild spending Everton have done, you look at what Nottingham Forest did with the amount of players that they brought in huge amounts. I think they totaled about 250 million pounds. They made so many signings, didn't they? And they're complaining that one signing, which was a sale that they did for Johnson to Tottenham wasn't done in time to go on the accounts and that's their sort of complaints about the whole thing. It's like, well, get your, get yourself in order. Everyone has to get themselves in order in any sort of way of life. So I think it's a bit rich that clubs are sort of, you know, the rules are there. They've been there for a long time. They know about these rules and they've gone over them and they accept that they've gone over them. So I don't see how they can really kick up a fuss when they get punished for it. Um, There is the sort of the big cloud hanging out over it all in terms of Manchester city, obviously. And, you know, why are they not being punished? And for the integrity of the league, how does this look? That these sort of clubs are getting punished and Manchester City aren't. And that's all gone very, very quiet. Because, And I understand that it looks pretty bad. And I think it does look bad for the Premier League. But you also have to accept it is a completely different scenario to what Everton and Nottingham Forest are facing. This is 115 separate cases. Everton and Nottingham Forest were far easier to work out because they were like one each and they've both accepted that they broke the rules in the first place so um, as much as the Manchester City thing is a cloud hanging over the Premier League and one that desperately does need to be sorted I think you have to also put it into context a little bit and accept that it is very very different to what's going on with Everton and with Nottingham Forest of late. Uh, lots of you have been getting in touch and asking this sort of question you know what are the chances is this going to impact Arsenal's Hopes of potentially signing on Amadou Anana, who is a player, as I've said, that Arsenal, you know, admire. Lots of clubs admire. There's been talk that Arsenal have been in talks with Anana and Everton this transfer window. That's a story that I've denied. You know, from my information, that isn't the case. There has been no talks. Certainly not intensive talks that is, uh as have been reported. But people like Samuel have been getting in touch. Hi, oh, hi, Charles. I know there. I know this is possibly a bit of a reach, but do you reckon Everton's second FFP scare could force them to sell this window? Wonder if it might make an Inanna deal easier to wrangle. I don't think so. To, to be honest, I think it's going to make it harder, Samuel, because if Everton are facing up to a second points deduction, which is a very realistic um, possibility now, even though they feel and will fight that this second charge basically falls within the same remit as the first charge, and they're basically, they feel like they've been punished twice for instance over the same period of time, and they're going to argue that case. And that's what they will do. But if they do end up getting hit with a second punishment then and points deduction, then they're going to basically need all their players between now and the end of the season to try and ensure they don't get relegated. So I actually think it's going to make it harder. I don't think just because of this, the fall and foul of FFP, that means they're suddenly going to have to raise a load of money because basically that accounting period is now over. Um, the accounts have all been filed for that period. So I don't think it's going to lead to an immediate fire sale. So I think it's actually going to make it harder because they're going to need to keep their best players. And Adana is obviously their best player. So I don't think they're going to suddenly come... You know, look at the clubs who are interested in Anana, and Everton will be well aware of the clubs that are interested in Anana, and suddenly go knocking on their door and say, OK, look, you can have him for 40 million but staggered over five years and you can have him on loan for the remainder of the season and then make it permanent at the end of the season. All that sort of stuff. I don't I just can't see that that's going to happen. So I don't think this is going to impact Arsenal's chances of signing Anana. certainly in this January window. It might well do in the summer. And it wouldn't surprise me if Arsenal do really sort of firm up their interest in Inanna in the summer because he's a very good player and I can't imagine he's still going to be at Everton come the start of next season. Someone's going to move, make a move for him and that could well be Arsenal because Arsenal we know are going to have to sign some midfielders because of the age and the contract situation of the, a lot of the central midfielders they currently have. So it might make things easier then, but for now, for this season, I don't think it's going to make too much of a, uh, a difference, I have to say. As I was talking about, People like uh, Robert here and Stephen—they're all asking, "What about Man City and their violations?" And uh, you know, Robert says 140 breaches, 940, is 115, which is still an awful lot, obviously, um, and not a word why kick that fake club out of the Premiership. It's different. The Premier League can't really do anything else now because the, F- the Premier League have have put the charges against Manchester City. Now it sort of moves over to the Independent Commission, and that's when it's all, and that's who's gonna. Uh, Determine Everton's fate is who's going to determine Nottingham Forest's fate, and it's going to determine ultimately Manchester City's fate. So it's not really down to the Premier League now. They've done what they can do when it comes to Manchester City. They have charged them. They have labelled. They have put these 115 charges together. Now it's down to the Independent Commission. The thing that is obviously very, very different, as I said, is City is far more complex. It's a completely different thing. City uh, fighting these charges, absolutely tooth and nail, fighting these charges. Everton didn't, Nottingham Forest didn't. They accepted that they breached the sustainability rules. It was one thing as well. Manchester 115. It's being tied up in knots by lawyers and will continue to do so. We know that it's going to be heard next year. Now it will go on for another. It's going to drag on and on and on. So as frustrating as it is, and as I said, I think it's really bad look for the Premier League that this continues to happen while you're seeing these clubs getting punished like Everton and, City, Everton and Forest. And yet we all know there's these huge charges hanging over the league's best club, that are winning everything and that are getting loads of praise for winning everything and the football plate they play and the players that they've got and the manager that they've got. And yet there's a huge 115 charge cloud hanging over them that um, is just going to continue to basically taint the image of the Premier League for a lot of people. And it is not a good look. And, but ultimately I don't know what else the Premier League can do now because they've done what they can do. They've charged Manchester City. Now it's a case of getting the, getting the whole thing heard and it's all done by an independent commission um so yeah interesting one but let me know your thoughts on it all in the uh, comments below
0: everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
1: Here's some more pics that Arsenal have posted of them training over in Dubai. Enjoy that sunshine while it lasts, guys, because you're not going to get all those saying that. It is sunny out there right now, but it does not feel like that. Certainly not going to be in shorts and T-shirts when they get back. Um, Hopefully, it's been a really good break for them. Hopefully, they're going to come back refreshed and ready to go because they absolutely need to. No room for error now, really, when it comes to Arsenal after the recent results going out. The FA Cup, of course, has left it basically Premier League or Champions League or nothing this season. And the two defeats in the Premier League before that game against Liverpool has left them with a little bit of a gap to try and make up on the league's top clubs. Forest uh, Palace is a huge game. This weekend, Victory will move them up to third. It'll move them back above Aston Villa and it's a game they absolutely have to win and they need to score some goals and they need to show that they have come back refreshed and they've put this little blip or bad run, whatever you want to call it, behind them and got back to winning ways really, really quickly. Um, I will talk about it a lot more in tomorrow's show. and I'd love to get your thoughts on that to sort of put it together for what you want to see from Arsenal in this game against Crystal Palace or what you want to see from Arteta in this game against Crystal Palace this weekend, who you would start. Let me know your starting 11s. Let me know your systems. Would you go 4-3-3? Would you go 4-2-3-1? Um, if, you know, if you don't want Gabriel Jesus to play, who should play up front? You know, If you want Saka rested, who should play out wide? Let me know. I'd love to get all your thoughts together. I'll include a fair few of them in tomorrow's show for that one. Um, there's a couple of comments and questions to round off today's show. It's going to be a short show today. Not too much going on. So uh, a bit of a shorter uh, show for you today. Plus, I have to get my cat to the vets. Big news. <laughs> um, Paul here says, Hi, Charles. Do you think we should call, recall Kieran Tien if we don't sign another left back this window? I suppose Zinni, uh, Zinni and Tommy are injury prone and Kivio isn't a, national, a natural left back. I mean, ideally, yes, it, may, it would make sense because Tierney's is a good player and he's a left back. But, it's not going to happen. Tierney's already admitted it's not going to happen. Arsenal had never had any interest in bringing Kieran Tierney back. I mean, one thing that sort of flags up from that, as you say, as both Zinny and Tommy are injury prone, I mean, you're talking about Kieran Tierney, who is also very, very injury prone. So I don't think bringing him back is going to solve the problems of potentially having left backs unavailable. Tierney's already been unavailable for a large chunk of Real Sociedad's season. He is back now, which is good. Hopefully he can have a really good run in the team there now and have a good second half of the season he's got no interest in coming back to Arsenal and to be fair it just feels a little bit pointless because we know that Mikel's not really going to play him even if he does come back and so you're bringing a player back just for the sake of it to fill up the numbers um, when if you leave him out in Spain he could potentially play a lot of games if he stays injury fit hopefully raises value and the permanent move that we all thought was going to happen for Kieran Tierney last summer can happen this summer and that's the sort of big focus of this loan move at the moment. Um, Here's one from, I'm not sure how you'd place this. Is it Lance Ravek says, don't want Jorginho to start for us ever. Get rid ASAP. I don't agree with that. I'm surprised. I mean, everyone's got their own opinions on football, obviously, but I'm surprised at that I just don't, I just don't know why you would want that to happen and why, you know, I think Jorginho's done really well since he played for Arsenal. I thought he did well against Liverpool. Um, But as I said, each to their own. Um, Try ESR, put Havertz back in midfield. and Charles, you've probably been watching Arsenal for 30 years plus like me. I have, yes. You know what a title winning side looks like and you're kidding yourself if you think this is one. We don't have the ruthlessness or strength to be champions. No chance whatsoever. We've pinched three points of late goals against United, Brentford and City and Luton. Very unconvincing. We've already lost a few games and still have to go to City, United and Spurs, all three places where we usually struggle and also factor in the running when pressure to win really grows. City, we know, thrive on the pressure. This team, we know, wilts under pressure and Declan Rice on his own doesn't change that. We've got more bad performances and losses in us, unfortunately, and that means we won't get near the title. Fair play. Uh, thanks for your opinion. Cheers your message. Uh, yeah, look. I agree. Right now, this doesn't look like a tight win in Arsenal side. And um one thing I will say on that is in ninety-seven, ninety-eight, that didn't look like a tight win in Arsenal side. I remember being at Highbury when Arsenal lost three one to Blackburn in December, I think it was. And I remember leaving Highbury that day, just after Kevin Gallagher made it three one with great goal in front of the North Bank. And Arsenal got booed off the pitch. I think they were fifth or sixth at that point, way behind not just Man United at top, but second and third place. And Arsenal looked a bit of a shambles then under Arsene Wenger, and you know, and that was a team with Henri, not Henri, sorry, with um, uh, with Dennis, with Vieira, with Petit, and they were looking a bit of a shambles. And then suddenly everything changed in the second half of the season. They went on that magnificent run. They chased down Manchester United, and they ended up winning the double. So things can change in a season. Even two thousand and one, two thousand and two. I remember around November, December time, Arsenal lost four two at home against Charlton. They then lost 3-1 against Newcastle a couple of weeks later. Again, didn't look anywhere close to winning the title. The season, a couple of seasons before, they'd been about 20 points behind Man United in each of those two seasons. And then suddenly, they won about 15 games in a row in the second half of 2001 and one and oh two, and again, ended up winning the double. Granted, they had some top quality players in that side. But still, at that point of the season, they didn't look like a title winning machine by any means. But they still ended up winning it. So things can change. Teams can get on a run. We see it all the time. And you talk about the Arsenal pinch late points against United, Brentford city and Luton. I mean, you're talking about two of those teams. One of them, especially is Manchester city. It doesn't matter when you pinch the points against Manchester city. If you beat them, that's a very good result. You know, Liverpool have won late loads of times this season. It was only a couple of weeks ago. they were three, two down at Anfield against, against Fulham at home. And they ended up turning that round and winning four, three. They've won so many late games. They were, they were losing at crystal palace. Not so long ago. Um, until Palace had a player sent off and they ended up again winning 2-1 with another injury-time winner. So the best teams do pinch games late on when they're not playing too well. And Arsenal had a habit of doing that this season. And it was only a couple of weeks ago, they went to Anfield and got a really good 1-1 draw and were top of the league at Christmas. So I don't think they are absolutely no chance of winning the title this season. I'm not ready to write it off just yet i accept they're going to have to play better they're going to have to perform better they're going to have to score more goals they're going to have to sort out what they've doing defensively at the moment because the last couple of weeks or last few games they've slipped away in that regard as well where they had been looking so strong before that um so there's a lot they need to do a lot they need to turn around and they need to turn that around quickly but you know i don't know maybe it's me maybe i'm just an optimist but i'm just not ready to write off the season just yet, they're still there. They're still with. They've still got a chance. They're not miles away. And when you're in that position, then for me, you've still got to have some hope that you can turn things around. So, but again, that is just me. Let me know if you guys agree or disagree with me or not. All right, that's it from me for today, everyone. Thank you very much for your time. As always, like I said. For tomorrow's show, I want to start really sort of focusing ahead to that game against Crystal Palace and what Mikel should do, how the team should set up, who should play, who shouldn't play. love to get your views on it all. Please do let me know in the comments below, and I'll get a few of them together and include them in tomorrow's show. Until then, everyone, have a very good Tuesday. Speak to you very soon. Bye-bye.